Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. The Messenger has a new nickname. And no, it's not 3C or C3 as he requests. But it's Cringery Cejudo. That's right. Cringery Cejudo. Chell Sonnen, hats off to you. You really helped him out a lot by giving him tips on how to present himself. Because what he has been doing has worked for him. People care. People care. And that's what you want. You want people to care. You want them to either love you or hate you. But you want them to want to see something happen with you. And he has done that by uh, being as cringeworthy as he can possibly be. And cheesy too. But it works for him. It works. One thing that he did that I think got lost in the charm of what he's currently doing as far as this persona that he's putting out there is that he called out three fighters after he beat Marlon Marais to become the double champ or as he likes to say the triple champ he called out Uriah Faber who was retired but is returning to face uh, Ricky Simone in Sacramento called out Dominic Cruz who far and wide is respected as the king of the Bantamweight division but he's hurt and he's been out for quite some time as a matter of fact hasn't fought since he lost his title to Cody Garbrandt Mm. about 18 months to two years ago so yeah that's that's who he's calling out someone who's retired someone who hasn't fought in like forever and yeah and then last but not least he called out someone else uh, uh, Cody Garbrandt yeah called out Cody Garbrandt who got knocked out twice by Dillashaw now we know some things that have been going on with Dillashaw so may be able to kind of overlook those a little bit I mean he still was swinging crazy and got knocked out that was proven by his then turning around and getting knocked out yet again by Pedro Munoz so regardless of what Cody was doing as far as the things he was putting into his body EPO and, and any other kind of performance enhancing drugs 
Cody left himself open both times and the outcome was the same but these are the three people that you call out now when this was done before by another champion who just won their title being Tyron Woodley he got absolutely like just killed he was taken to task by all kinds of fans you haven't fought anyone fight someone you can't call out um you know all these legends or whatever what are you doing but henry doesn't get called out yeah i i don't know and maybe it's because he has two belts that he's getting a bit of uh reprise as far as that's concerned but that stuck out to me that the fans have a much much different view of him and again it may also be because of this cringeworthy act that he's putting on which honestly is a little charming so maybe people aren't taking him as seriously with those things I just found it very interesting the way that the MMA fandom reacted to what he did versus what Tyron did alright now that happened at UFC 238 and something else that was taking place there was fights fights specifically in the strawweight division we thought that the winner between Nina Ansaroff and Tatiana Suarez would get the next title shot versus Bate Esteca Andrage Jessica Andrage well Tatiana Suarez won but she hurt her neck and the way that she's doing as far as that's concerned talking about not feeling her arm and then it was later said that during that she also had numbness and couldn't feel her face if she fights again it's probably gonna be a and she won but it wasn't like the dominating fashion that she had been doing matter of fact she really got touched up a bit in the the end of the third round but not having feeling might do that and not having the use of limbs can leave you open to getting touched up the karate hottie went on Ariel's show to make her case but she's not getting it either to me it would make sense she was making her case there she was at the fight between Rose and Jessica Andrade you know kind of positioning herself so I thought that she would get it Rose has said you know what she's down for a rematch but she needs some time you know to heal and understandably so so she's not getting it so who is going to get that fight it's official the next challenger is Wei Li Zhang. That's going to take place in Shenzhen, China for UFC on ESPN 15 or UFC Shenzhen as it's going to be called. And really it's a throwback because it's on ESPN Plus and the first title defense, first one that was uh, actually successful was 
with Joanna Young's Playcheck fighting on Fight Pass in Poland. Now, first time that that title was defended, it was on pay-per-view. It was between um, Carla Esparza and Joanna, but Joanna's first defense was on Fight Pass. So now, Jessica's first defense will be on ESPN Plus. So that that's uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, obviously, fighting in China, having a fighter of Chinese descent, it makes sense. She is 19 and one, being Zhang. Uh, you know, uh, and the people that are either ahead of her, I, I just mentioned, they're not really in contention, and Michelle Waterson is below her. So, hey, uh, congrats to her. Can't really say too much because again, she's 19 and one, undefeated in the UFC. So, uh, if not her, then who? All right, we're going to close out this section with a bit of an update on the Fight Nights update shared about the tomfoolery, pardon the pun, I really didn't mean that one, but the tomfoolery uh, with Justin Bieber, Tom Cruise, uh, Bieber calling out Cruise for a fight, Logan Paul jumping into things, Conor McGregor jumping in saying that he will promote the fight, well... Although this was a clever ruse by Bieber, he was like, I don't want to fight that old man. I just throw stuff like out out like this from time to time just because I'm bored. So, hey, uh, nice one, Bieber, and congratulations to you and all of the residents of the Great White North for having the NBA champions, Toronto Raptors, first time that Canada has had a championship NBA team so I know that the great white north as a continent or I shouldn't say continent but as a country is celebrating and I celebrate uh, with them as well I think it's an excellent excellent accomplishment uh, for that franchise and I think it's good for the NBA too you know it's just good to keep things mixed up you got Kawhi Leonard the anti-hero winning and yeah it's, it's great I definitely will be wearing my throwback Raptors Vince Carter jersey. So, anyway, back to some more fight news. Our prayer list. <sighs> prayer list this week. We've got Zab Judah, who fought last week. Uh, I didn't mention it on the old one, too, because it wasn't televised. Uh, I was interested in seeing it. I was hoping that it was televised because I wanted to see it. It was a 10-round fight, I believe, and it was stopped in the 10th. And he, you know, seemed all right after the fight was stopped. But then he started expressing some ill effects, and they took him to the hospital where they detected a brain bleed. Uh, A rep from the promoter, Star Boxing, said that he was awake and communicating in the hospital on Sunday, and he has since been released from the hospital uh, but definitely praying for Zab. He was a great champion. Um, I still remember seeing him fight here in St. Louis and knocking Corey Spinks out. Um, and left us a bit deflated. Those of us who went to see the fight. But again, great champion. Uh, wars with uh, Costa Zoo, <laughs> uh, Ricky Haddon, and, um, and Mayweather, of course. You know, so 
hey, shout out to him, salute to him, uh, and wish him nothing but the best. Hopefully, this spells an end to his fighting days. Macy Chazon, who won the Ultimate Fighter Heavyweights edition, where she won as the featherweight champ and then move down to Bantamweight because that's what <laughs> that's what you do on Ultimate Fighter you move up or down to the weight class you desire to be in well in Dallas Texas where she now lives and trains at Fortis MMA she had a bit of a problem there was a storm that came through and a crane that was being used to build something nearby crashed into her apartment complex Uh, in doing so it caused quite a bit of damage injured five people and unfortunately took the life of a young lady by the name of Kirsten Smith so praying for her praying and uh, Macy I know was hurt as well uh, breaking through some glass to try to get out and get to safety so praying for all of those people involved um, it's tough it's tough when you lose someone and you know that you're going to lose them. It's even tougher when you lose someone and you're not expecting it. With that being said, also praying for the family, friends, and loved ones of Chris Reed. Mr. Reed was a MMA ref and a police chief in Texas. He was in a boating accident and passed this week, fell overboard, and unfortunately, when they were able to retrieve him it was too late let's end off headlines and hot takes with birthdays for the week so this week you got Cyril Debate former strike force welterweight champ the last one Nordin Taleb Walt the bit ticket Harris Darren the Motown superstar Crookshank John Hansenstone Lineker Deron Wynn, who will be making his UFC debut, I believe, next week in Greenville, South Carolina. Pollyanna Vienna and Joe Daddy Stevenson. Up next, some sweet science conversation in the old one, too. All right, what's up with it? This is May May, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked, baby. Time to go between the ropes and step into the squared circle for the old one two. In boxing news this week, the Hooker Ramirez fight to see who's the best, at least in their eyes, at 140 pounds has been made as the cross promotion between top rank and matchroom came together to ensure that the fight could come off these two fighters really want to face each other and their teams got together to make it happen. Eddie Hearn said it's groundbreaking for matchroom boxing in top rank. Top rank is sending a fighter to the zone and we're sending a fighter to ESPN. And the same with PBC. It hasn't happened yet. But in time, I'm sure it will. So, great news for fans because it is for me one of the fights of the year brilliant fight for the division great fight stylistically and we want to keep creating sort of key moments every month 
for the zone. End quote by Eddie Hearn. You can find that on Boxing Scene because that's what we gave the quote to. This really isn't the first time this has happened, though. You know, now, granted, this is a huge fight. And has there been a fight of this magnitude where this has happened? Maybe not for the zone, but Anthony Carolla, who is a matchroom fighter, went over to ESPN to fight Lomachenko in his last fight. And for the zone, what wasn't supposed to be that big but wound up being huge was Andy Ruiz, who is promoted by PBC, fighting Anthony Joshua. So it's not like it doesn't happen. But I just hope that they can all play nicely together more frequently so that we can get the best fighting the best. One of the up-and-coming best is Tiafimo Lopez, who believes that his fight on July 19th versus Masayoshi Nakatina Nakatini is a IBF title eliminator. True enough, it is because IBF has it listed that way on their website. And according to L. Brooklyn, he's third and Nakatani's fourth, and there's no one at first or second in IBF. So the winner of the match will face the winner of Richard Comey and Ray Beltran, who fight for the undisputed title at the end of this month. At least a schedule two. Now, Wilder was on SportsCenter recently and he started off speaking very complimentary about Joshua and Fury and you know he was saying that uh, you know they were you know good competitors and that everything was still coming together and he thought that the fight would take place and then all of a sudden he started talking kind of recklessly about Joshua saying he quit um, you know, and he he would be ashamed if it was him quitting. He's like, you you quitting the fight and whatever. And I think really it was just a dig because of all of the failed negotiations between the two over the years. Now I've watched the fight a number of times, specifically rounds three and seven, where all the action took place. And at round seven, you all have heard me here on the main card say that Joshua did not quit he was in the corner he'd spit his mouthpiece out and, and he was answering the referee seemed to be clear as far as the mind was concerned but he wasn't stepping forward again I think he was waiting for his mouthpiece either way it goes the ref decided look you've been down now four times I'm stopping the fight you're not moving I'm saying let's go and you're still standing there so I'm stopping the fight he didn't give up. So, yeah, I, again, that was just some talk, taking jabs, you know, and, and I don't think that that's, that's really what happened. But it makes for good fodder if Wilder and Fury actually do meet. I mean, not Fury, Wilder and Joshua actually meet later down the road, which, again, Wilder said he thinks that that will happen, that just because he lost doesn't mean that he won't come back and that they won't face each other. It really causes me to think, especially because Wilder didn't really say too much about Fury. He spent 
the nearly 10 minutes that he was on talking mostly about Joshua. And that really makes me think that he feels that he's got the advantage over lineal champion Tyson Fury because he didn't say anything. And especially with the way that things turned out. Now, Fury fights on ESPN this weekend. We'll be talking about it in the televised lineups. And you're on ESPN's flagship show. Why wouldn't you say anything about your fight with Fury? That is a prime opportunity and prime time. Literally, I mean, it's in a prime time slot for you to say something about the man who's getting ready to fight. And hopefully set up something for your fight if he is successful and likewise you're successful when you fight or tease it just it didn't make much sense to me but when I read about Fury's statements saying that he hasn't signed anything to fight Wild he was like I don't know what he's talking about signed contracts I haven't signed anything and if it is something signed by me it's fake and we got problems so maybe that's why he wasn't talking much about fury because he didn't want to open up that can of worms any further anyway let's move into the televised lineup for the weekend coming in this is andrew brown with the north florida tigers prep program and you are listening to me on mtmv Support the podcast whenever you can. Listen as much as you can and share as much as you can. All right, fight fans. In Riga, Latvia, on the zone, the World Boxing Super Series will take place. And it's the Cruiserweight semifinals. This happens on Saturday. All the fights within the televised lineup that we're speaking about on this week happen on Saturday, June the 15th. In the main event, you have 25 and 1 with 18 KOs, Maris Breedis versus 31 and 1 with 19 KOs, Christoph Golaki. I shared last week that this fight is now for the full WBO title as well as the vacant WBC title. Both of these men, or I should say both of these belts, were formerly held by Alexander Usyk, who's now applying in straight heavyweight. Now, interestingly enough, the only defeat that both of these fighters have ever had was also at the hands of Alexander Usyk. Breedis was elevated as the WBO champ last week, and he'll have the hometown crowd behind him while he's fighting because he's fighting not only in his home country of Latvia, but in the city of his birth, Riga, as well. I'm not sure how well the Polish faithful travel, but there's a little over 400 miles between these two countries, so there could be a fairly strong contingency for Kristoff in the crowd as well. The co-main event pits 21 and 1 with 20 KOs from Cuba, now living in Miami, Unir KO Dr. 
Dr. Tricos. He'll be facing 17-0 with 13 KOs. Andrew the Beast Tabidi for the interim IBF title. So let's get this out the way. Tabidi is from Chicago, lives in Vegas, and is of Nigerian descent. So you know I'm pulling for the undefeated fighter to win it all. He's been in against Steve Cunningham, so the level of talent that Dotricos brings won't be foreign to him. Unir is a former WBA champ and came up in the Cuban amateur program, so you know he has an excellent boxing pedigree. He also has a perfect nickname as he has stopped all but one of his foes. On ESPN Plus, Stateside, and BT Sports, Across the pond from Leeds, UK, you have 28 and 0 with six KOs. Josh, the Leeds Warrior Warrington, putting his IBF featherweight title on the line against 26 and 0 with 15 KOs. Abdul Barry Awad, better known as Kid Galahad. As with the World Boxing Super Series, this fight also has a titleist fighting at home. And like the World Boxing Super Series, his opponent is also European. Galahad hails from Sheffield, England, which is less than 50 miles away from Leeds. It takes about a half hour, or I should say a little over an hour to get there by car, and two hours by train. So like Galaki, expect Galahad to have some raucous support in Leeds. Now on ESPN Plus that evening, you have a 10-round light heavyweight bout as a co-main event pitting 22 and 2 with 14 KOs Sullivan Barrera versus 25 and 2 with 21 KOs Jesse Hard Work Hard both of these men lost title bids in 2018 and are looking to get back into contention with this fight Hard Work comes from Philly a city with a blue collar boxing background and in an article by Steve Kim of ESPN, Hart's made it clear why he's moving up for this fight. He said, I wanted to move up to lightweight and I wanted a big name. That's where the lucrative deals and the money's at and being generated up there. I see where boxing's going. I give it about two years and it's going to be the hottest division in boxing. And I believe there. I'm going to make some noise. And not only can I make some noise, I can beat these guys. I know I can beat these guys. End quote. Well, Barrera, like many Cuban fighters, now calls Miami home. Coming up in the Cuban amateur system, he's reached acclaimed heights as the AIBA Junior World Gold Medalist in 2000. The headlining fight on that card is a 12-round heavyweight fight for the lineal championship between Tyson, the Gypsy King, Fury, and Tom Schwartz. With a 67% stoppage rate, Tom has fought most of his bouts in his native Germany with a couple in the Czech Republic. This will be his first fight outside of Europe. ESPN, they really should cut a check to Ruiz because he made this much, much must watch TV after what he did to Joshua at the start of the month. Schwarz gets excited. I got a chance to see uh, some footage on him. He gets excited when he gets people hurt. 
and sprints across the ring with his hands down. I was like, that's interesting. He also does this kind of bunny hop forward to close distance. Now, these are unconventional methods, and they may be odd enough to give Fury a challenge, or they can play right into the hands of the skilled boxer and allow him to jab his way to an easy victory. Fury knows after AJ's recent loss that he cannot take Schwartz lightly, so he's giving his opponent his full attention. All right, time to step out of the squared circle, going back between the ropes. And on the other side will be one championship. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Damo, from the MTMV Sports Podcast Network, here to tell you about the most dangerous wrestling podcast around, The Outsider's Edge, hosted by myself, my homie Jay Kells, and my homie Sam Blackwell, bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. So no matter what device you're using, what platform you're on, we've got something for you. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Republic, the Anchor app, or Spotify. Whatever device you're using, whatever platform of your choice, look us up at MTMV Sports, My Team, My Voice, Sports Podcast Network, and look up the Outsider's Edge. And if you don't, we hitting you with a bionic elbow out this mug. Yeah. Hey, this is Amy Bentley with RWMS Group, and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. One legendary quest will take place in Shanghai, China, and the Circle Cage will hold the one athletes competing on Saturday, June the 15th. It's headlined by a Muay Thai bout, so we'll cover the MMA matches of note. First one is 10-3, Koyomi Matsushima, who faces 9-1, Pretty Boy Kwan Wan Il. That will take place at Featherweight, and both fighters are 4-1 over their last five, winning their most recent bouts. Matushima KO Marifrat Gafarov in September, and Il did the same thing over Eric Kelly in April. Pretty Boy has been much more active, though, fighting four times since Koyomi has. Will that be a benefit or a detriment? We'll find out when they square off on Saturday. Undefeated 10 and 0, Rainer De Ritter takes on 30 and 6, Gilberto Giba Galvao at middleweight. The undefeated man from the Netherlands, De Ritter, has fought all over Europe as well as South Africa. This is his second fight for one, where he debuted with a Darce choke this January. All 10 of his wins have been by stoppage. Eight subs and two KOs. Giba is making his third trip to the cage to fight for one and looking to get above 500 in the promotion. Galval has won half of his fights by submission and 10% by strikes. Either they will cancel each other's ground games out or you're going to see a lot of scrambles and slick submission attempts. The co-main event for this card and the last MMA match on it. Pitts 14-6 and six, Yoshihiro Sexyama Akiyama versus 9-3 and three, 
Agalon, Alligator, Donnie. And this bout will take place at Welterweight. The K1 Dream and UFC vet is making his one debut, which is coupled with a three and a half year layoff. And one matchmaking means he is not getting an easy bout in this co-main event. The fourth degree judoka and Tiger Muay Thai rep who's trained since he was three years old will need all of that experience versus Tiny. Eight of Tiny's wins have come on the ground with two by ground and pound stoppage and then six submissions. Outside of his last bout, he's only lost to the champions Askram and Kadastan. All of his fights have been under the one banner. But together, these two men are a combined three and seven over the last 10 bouts, so they both desperately need a win. The alligator has begun strength and conditioning training, something that he's never done before, and said it's helped him feel much, much better than he has in the past. He was hurt going into his last fight, plus he had some personal issues, but he's coming in focused and ready and feeling good. Akiyama is looking forward to competing for one, specifically because they espouse the Budo spirit. All right, fight fans, let's take a little break, and after this, we'll dive into Bellator 222. Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Erica Mason, a.k.a. Miss Pretty and Radical. Yo, what's good? It's your boy, Yard Swift. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's what up, RG? Yo, 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 yo. This your boy, E-Hud, God's MC. And you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Peace. For the third straight week, you have a card at the Mecca of Boxing, Madison Square Garden. This time, it's on Friday and MMA is on the menu. Like UFC 238, this card is full of talent. With 1-0 Valerie Lareda versus 0-1 Hooters girl Larkin Dash. You got Hobson Gracie Jr. in his second pro bout. Phil Halls making his Bellator debut after nearly a two-year layoff. Aaron Pico in his first fight since moving to Jackson Wink, where he said he went to learn the fight. That's a jab at both the body shop as well as AKA because they turn out fighters in both of those camps. And that may come back to bite him, especially if he gets past the undefeated Adam Borses and winds up facing off against the prize pupil of the body shop, AJ McKee. But I don't know if he's getting past Borses because he's undefeated. And really, it seems as if the matchmakers continue to move this man along too quickly for his young MMA experience. A lot of wrestling and boxing experience, but MMA, not so much. Plus on this card, you got Heather Hardy, Haim Gozali, Mike Kimball. I mean, this is an embarrassment of riches on the undercard. The main card got renovated recently with a prelim fight moving up and a shuffling of the fight's orders. The matchmakers decided to kick 
the main card off with a bang. And not just a bang, but a title fight. 12 and 2, Darion the Wolf Caldwell versus 2072, Kyoji Horiguchi for the Bellator Bantamweight title. This is a rematch, and it's been getting a lot of attention among the pundits. And I specified that this is for the Bellator title because both of these men are titleless in their organizations. Caldwell holds that title for Bellator, and Horiguchi holds that title for Ryzen in Japan. Now, on New Year's Eve, Caldwell went to Japan, and this is the same card where Floyd Mayweather and Tenshin Nasakawa had that exhibition. Supposedly, Floyd is talking to them about doing it again this year. Anyway, on that card, Caldwell lost to Horiguchi. He said that he, being Caldwell, said that he had trouble in that fight for a number of reasons. One, he lost his focus. That happened when he lost to baby Joe Tomingo, getting careless and got choked out in both of those fights. The Wolf said that going and fighting in Japan was really difficult because he couldn't find food and he had less time to cut weight. The fight was also in a ring and all of his MMA experience prior to that was in a cage. His team really made a tactical error as most of the training took place in a cage when Alliance has a ring readily available. As a matter of fact, I've seen the heavyweight champ for one championship uh, train in that very same ring. So, yeah, if Brandon Vera can train in the ring and you're fighting in the ring, you probably want to train in the ring. But for whatever reason, the five folks at Alliance chose to train in the cage, which is where this one will take place, so hopefully they've made an adjustment in that training strategy. The Risen Champ, on the other hand, has the majority of his fight experience in the cage as he is a UFC vet and fought at the highest levels in that company, losing to Demetrius Johnson at Flyweight for the title. He also trains at ATT, so fighting in the U.S. is not really an issue because when he's training, he's here stateside. And with a vast network of gyms that are under the banner of ATT, finding somewhere to train while in New York as well as food really shouldn't be an issue. Both presidents of these companies, Scott Coker and Saki Kabara, believe that their champions will win. Caldwell avenge his previous loss. Will that happen again? Don't know. It should be a great fight, however it plays out, though. Next fight up on the card, you have 21-2, Eduardo Dudu Dantes versus 22-1, Juan the Spaniard Archuleta. This fight takes place at Featherweight. Dantes is a Nova Uyao product and also the former two-time Bantamweight champ for Bellator. He'll be making his featherweight debut against the Spaniard who hasn't lost since March of 2015. And that was his first loss, the only loss he's had, and that was when he fought for the PFL's predecessor, the WSOF, once and only. Since then, he's been on a win streak 
and a win for either combatant could get them a first round matchup in the featherweight tournament versus Pitbull, depending on how that's structured. Scott Coker really hasn't shared that information yet. At the very least, I would think that a win for either combatant would give them a high seed in their bracket. The Voices Marquee matchup pits 11-2 Ricky Bendejas versus 10-0 Patrick Patchy Mix at Bantamweight. This is Jersey versus New York. Nick Cantone MMA versus Jackson Wink. CFFC versus the King of the Cage champion. Since joining Bellator, Ricky has been in some of the most notable fights, or I should say with some of the most notable fighters in the organization. He debuted versus James Gallagher with a high light real knockout. Followed that up with a very close decision to Juan Archuleta in his last bout. Now he faces a debutant for Bellator in the undefeated mix. With most of his wins coming by submission, Patchy will do what he can to get this to the ground. But will the bright lights of fighting at the Mecca against one of the most talented bantamweights in Bellator prove to be too much for him? Will Ricky be able to get back on the winning track and set himself up for a possible title shot? We'll find out when the pin drops, the cage door locks, the thumbs go up, and they start the clock. Next fight up, you have 1-0 Dylan El Jefe Danis versus 3-2 Max Humphrey at 175 pounds. The man best known for being McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach and being the unfortunate recipient of the wrath of Air Habib at UFC 229, Dylan looks to continue to make a name for himself in Bellator versus the debuting Humphrey. Fighting out of Kansas City, whether it's in victory or defeat, Max has never gone to the judges. Unfortunately for him, one of those losses was by submission, and that's where Dylan will look to take things. Humphrey does have two knockouts, though, and El Jefe's striking was suspect in his first fight. What's interesting is that both of Dylan's fights have been at the same catch weight of 175 pounds. As Dallas continues to develop, it's going to be interesting to see what weight class he chooses to compete in. The co-main event for the card pits 25 and 8. Lyoto the Dragon Machida versus the bad guy, the American gangster, 30, 16, and 1, Chell P. Sonnen at light heavyweight if you believe the bad guy with a win he'll face off versus Ryan Bader for the light heavyweight title this comes from the same man who admitted to his broadcast partner Ariel Hawani that he doesn't know how many fights if any he has left on his contract with Bellator and doesn't really remember signing anything for this specific bout I really feel like Bellator is taking it probably a fight at a time with him. One, because of his age, and two, because of their working relationship with him as a commentator. Speaking of commentators, the flyweight champ for Bellator, Elimile McFarlane, will be filling in for Old Chell on the desk, and it'll be interesting to see how she performs. 
This matchup, I believe, was primarily made to sell tickets at one of the most expensive venues in the nation. It's the first fight at light heavyweight that the Dragon has had since he lost to former Bellator light heavyweight champion Phil Davis nearly six years ago. And all of Chell's fights prior to this one, or I should say his most recent fights prior to this one, have been a heavyweight. Leono has expressed a desire to fight the middleweight champ, Gegard Musasi, who longs to avenge what he feels was a stolen victory by Machida when the two competed in the UFC. Could the Dragon instead rematch Bader in Bellator? Anything's possible. But I really feel like this is a one-off of Leoto, as the Dreamcatcher has to postpone his defense of the title versus Javier Lovato Jr. after he got injured. In the main event of the evening, you have 25 and 1 Rory, the Red King McDonald, versus 9 and 0 Neiman Gracie in the semifinals of the Welterweight Grand Prix. And this is for all the marbles. This is for the Bellator welterweight title. From all the interviews this week, Rory is saying the right things. Many are interested in seeing how he performs after admittedly saying he doesn't want to hurt people anymore. Rory has stated that this is a new position for him. And that's why things are so different. He's not fighting with anger anymore because of his newfound faith in Jesus. For him, that's why things are so different. He also no longer is the hunter. He's the hunted. He's fighting for more than just himself now. He's fighting for his family. You've got all these different chains. He's got money. He's got homes. He's got the different things that generally keep fighters from being hungry. So he's trying to really figure things out and find out how to go about fighting with all this newfound success. These are all the things that he was grappling with as he competed with John Fitch back in April. The Red King said that he's looking to employ the highest level of technique that he can in his matchup with Gracie. That's his focus, and that's how he's going to approach the fight. Neiman has been one of the greatest prospects from the first family of MMA. And the greatest one in some years' time. Though entering his 10th professional fight only, he doesn't lack confidence, and really, Neiman shouldn't. People didn't give him much of a chance in his last matchup against like the all-world wrestler, Ed Ruth, who he stopped in the fourth round and dominated throughout the fight. He's fighting at home in New York City with the support of all the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu students in that area. And he could be buoyed by their support. Will he shock the world? Just as his uncle Hoist did 25 years ago. Neiman will need to have the performance of a lifetime to defeat the champion, especially if Rory is on top of his game. Up next, the official results. 
Hey, this is Amy Bentley with RWMS Group, and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. This has been episode 95 of the MTMV main card. And if the Lord says the same, I'll be back at it again next week. On Friday morning, stateside, Road FC will be on the zone. CFFC has a card on Friday as well on Fight Pass. Make sure you subscribe to MTNV Sports on your favorite podcast platform so you get the new episodes as soon as they're available. If you're loving what we do, leave us a five-star review. Let us hear from you as well. You can leave a message by clicking the link in our show notes. You can also hit us up on the socials. We're MTNV Sports on Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. Sports fans rejoice my team my voice until next time it's your man the voice host of the mtmv main card and i'm sounding off fight, fight, yeah, fight.